0: I took time to in our service to show that clip it's a little longer than most clips we show here at Lake Point Church, but I wanted you to understand, kind of put yourself in in that in that scene as best as possible Of course, one of the best um, portrayals I think is uh, from the from the uh, the chosen series. but we are in this series called Jesus Revolution and i i Felt led by the Spirit to uh, start this series, Jesus Revolution, for a few weeks. And this and the reason why is because I feel like there is a, a revolution or or another word, revival that, that is happening around us. And it, it is our prayer, and we've been praying, even on Thursday nights at our prayer meeting, and we invite anyone that is open, Thursday nights at the Ministry Center at six o'clock, we're praying for revival. We're praying for a, a revolution. And the first revolution happened in the original Jesus revolution. And that scene was, was kind of part of that. There have been other kind of revivals and awakenings. And of course, the, the sort of famous one that happened, uh, a, you know, several years ago was the Jesus revolution in the 70s. And then we, uh, we also are praying for A a revolution in ourselves, but but what is a revolution? And we've talked about this uh, last couple of weeks. A revolution is the overthrow uh, and replacement of an established government system by the people governed. So what that means is that you and I are could easily be be governed by thoughts, by what we perceive, what it means to to follow God with rules and regulations. Or maybe we're governed by, by our past and our shame and we just can't get through like like the scene we just saw. But what it is, a, a revolution is an overthrow and replacement of those things. And we are to talk about, and we have been talking about Jesus revolutions and, and the overthrow and replacement of and in the past in the Bible, and then also back in the 70s. But most importantly, we're gonna talk about. Uh, our revolution today, and so week one, we talked about the signs of revolutions. How do you know when you need a revolution in your heart today? What are some signs? And, and there's actually many of them, but uh, just a few that I that I uh, picked out that relates with our culture today. When when things like like social media controls you, when you get your identity and your um, involvement and your acceptance through social media instead of God, the Father, or through Jesus. You may know, you may realize that's a sign that a Jesus revolution is needed in your life. What, if, what about this? If you don't grieve for those who don't know Christ, if we don't grieve for those who don't know Christ, you and I should know people that don't know Jesus. And, and, and our heart should grieve for that. Okay? I mean, and, and that should cause us to pray for them. And so if if we're going throughout our day, and and trust me, I get busy just like you do. And even being a pastor, I forget about some some of the the folks that that need to follow Christ. I get so focused on the the sheep that I'm trying to shepherd that sometimes I forget about those who don't even know Christ in my own life. And those who have not accepted him and and crossed that line of faith, I should grieve over them. We all should. A third sign that you need a revival, need a, a revolution in your life is when sin is a pattern in your life. When you find yourself certain sins keep going up, popping up over and over and over again, the same things. It means you've got to have a revolution. You need to overthrow that and you need to replace it. A lot of people just do the first step. They try to overthrow it with their own power and their own ability, but when, what they don't realize is that you've got to replace it. Okay? Certain addictions, certain sin patterns. You can't just overthrow it by your own strength. You need the power of the Holy Spirit, but then you need to replace it. That's, that's what a revolution is. And then a fourth sign that you need a revolution is when prayer and worship becomes a ritual chore. When prayer and worship just become something that you just have to do, and you check the box and you say you've done that, and and I'm going to be honest, there are times I I, I like okay, I got to read the Bible today, I got to read the Bible, I got to check that off. And, you know, the Lord does still speak uh, in those moments, but the Lord, the Holy Spirit speaks even greater to me in my spirit whenever I hunger and I desire and I cannot wait to get into the Word because I'm expecting something great. When we walk into that time of personal worship, corporate worship, when we are expecting something great, then the Lord will speak like, I hope today, I hope you came here today expecting something great. Now, something. It's not anything that's happening on this stage. It's, it's in the spirit of the room. It's in the spirit of the room. The Holy Spirit is here in this place, and the Holy Spirit wants to speak to you. And we need to approach that with full expectation that God is going to share something with you. God is going to speak to your heart, to your life. Last week we talked about the approach to revolution. Once you realize you have there's some signs that a revolution needs to take place in your life. Well, how do you approach it? We looked at last week at, a, at a, a, a three areas, three stories of <coughs> excuse me of how we approach the change. And again, revolution is is about the change. How do we approach the change? We looked at three of them uh, last week. One was a woman who was bleeding for 12 years. We see that she let go of her pride. She didn't care what anybody else thought, okay? She got on her hands and knees, and she humbly found her way through the crowd. She didn't push people out of the way. She humbly got to her on her hands and knees and crawled around and threw people and got to Jesus. Another story we saw was a man with a withered hand. He had two hands. He had a good one, and he had a bad one. Inside of his, his, his cloak, inside of his outer, outer garment, when, when Jesus was speaking at the, um, at the synagogue, he called the man forward and said, stretch out your hand. He had a choice. Do I show him my good hand or do I show him my bad hand? He was transparent. He showed Jesus his bad hand, his withered hand. And, of course, Jesus healed it. But when we approach our Jesus revolution, we need to approach with full transparency. Hey, this is what's going on in my life. This is the junk that's happening in my life right now. Full transparency. I, I believe in, in our student ministry right now, there, are, <clears throat> there, are, uh, there is a, re- a revival, a, a revolution That's happening, I believe, in our student ministry. And one of the reasons I think, there are several reasons, but one of the reasons I think is because there's some transparency. There's some walls coming down in our students right now. They're being transparent. They're exposing their junk. (laughs) And so when we're able to do that, then we're able to approach that Jesus revolution. And then the third story we saw was a rich young ruler who, who kept all the commandments and, and was living a, a great life. And Jesus asked him, hey, I need you to sell everything you have, give it to the poor, and come follow me. And not that being rich and being wealthy is a bad thing. Not at all. That's not what the teaching is. The teaching was this. You're holding on to something, and, and your own uh, identity and your own strength is in your own money. And I need your strength and your identity to be in me, so let's take care of this. I need you to lay this aside and come follow me. Is there something in your life that you haven't given up? Is there something in your life that you have not given up? Is there some sort of idol in your life? We need to surrender things we hold dear. So let go of pride, be transparent, and surrender the things we hold dear So after we sense a need for the revolution and we approach that change in our life, we don't need to keep it to ourselves. We do not need to keep it to ourselves. We need to share the Jesus revolution. And that's what today's message is about. In fact, the title is Share the Revolution. We need to share what change God has done in our life. After all, we'll get us change in our lives if we don't be the change in the lives of others by sharing it. We open this message today from a clip from The Chosen. The scene is taken from an encounter with uh, Jesus in John chapter 4. And I'm gonna encourage you to take your, uh, your your copy of God's Word and turn to John chapter 4. And so, whether it be a digital copy on a tablet or phone, or whether it be your printed copy, if you don't have that, we have it on the screen. So, those who are watching live or watching later, we'll have those, um, those scriptures on the screen. But John chapter 4 is where we're gonna be at uh, today. We're gonna camp out there. And while you're turning to, the, to that, passage, let me kind of break this down for you and set this scene up a little bit. Uh, So Jesus and his disciples are traveling from Judea to Galilee. Now that's about 70 miles. It's about a three days walk, a little bit less than a three days walk. Now, how do I know that? No, I didn't walk 70 miles over the weekend and test that. Um, I just Googled it, (laughs) so uh, you could do the same thing. So it's a little, just a little under three days um, uh, walk. And so it's about, uh, if you were to walk from here, Emerson, to just south of Chattanooga, that's about how far it is. So that kind of puts it in perspective, all right? So it's about a 70-mile walk, and they are walking in in a few days' journey, but in between uh, Judea and Galilee, is an area known as Samaria. And most Jews, and you probably know this, you've ever heard of this, I've, I've talked about this before, uh, most Jews would actually skirt around Samaria. They would ter- take a three, uh, three-day trip and turn it into a potential five-day trip just so they don't have to go around Samaria or go through Samaria. But Jesus, <clears throat> he, he had a purpose, And that was he was going through Samaria, and obviously the purpose was to meet this woman who was alone there at the well. Jesus asked this woman for a drink of water. Rather than giving uh, Jesus water, she gives excuses as to why she can't meet his request. And again, so today is all about sharing the revolution. So I wanna show you some things as you share the change that's happened in your life. And I'm gonna, just let me reiterate this. If there's something happened in your life, we, we've had, uh, recently we had several people get baptized, we've got more to be baptized, we're thinking about doing another baptism service here, I think we're gonna do it the Sunday after Easter. Um, and we're not going to wait for the weather to get warmer. We're going to do it right here. And um, But that baptism service gives another opportunity for people to share the changes happen happened in their life. And if you've accepted Jesus Christ as Savior, then there is a change that's happened in your life. And I don't care if you did it at age 6 or age 60. It doesn't matter. There's a change that happened in your life. And we need to be able to share it with others. So this, these are things that you may encounter as you share the Jesus revolution, the change that's happened in your life. We see this in this scene here in John chapter 4. So go to uh, chapter 4, verse 13 through 15. And it says this. Jesus answered, Everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty... Again, that's her key word, thirsty. Thirsty again, but whoever drinks the water I give them will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give them will become in them a spring of water welling up to eternal life. The woman said to him, Sir, give me this water so that I won't get thirsty and have to keep coming here to draw water. So the first thing we will notice is thirsty people, thirsty people. There are thirsty people in our lives. The Samaritan woman had been looking to quench her spiritual thirst by substituting it with a series of failed relationships. Five husbands, one she's living with now is not her husband. She had a spiritual thirst and she was fulfilling it in the wrong way. At first, she did not understand what Jesus meant by a spring of of living water, leaving no more thirst. This woman was, was not getting the point here. She was stuck on water that would eventually run dry right there at the well. But Jesus is talking about living water, a Holy Spirit water that will never run dry. We need to understand that there are thirsty people all around us. And, and their thirst is not for water, but for truth, for something real that will last. How do you know this? Well, just look, observe the people in your life. And it, it, some of this could be you. When, whenever we put things in, in front of God for our own contentment, for, for example, When houses aren't big enough, when cars are not nice enough, when bodies are not in shape enough, then what about the inclusion of certain friend groups is not large enough? They're simply not satisfied. Just like this woman who was substituting a spiritual thirst with earthly things, we can easily long for spiritual have spiritual thirst and long for spiritual things and we replace it with earthly things. Now, I'm not saying it's, it's bad to have a nice car, a nice house and keep your body in shape and have great friends and and, and, and praise of the, uh, pray that the Lord your your territory. There's nothing wrong with that. But when that becomes a replacement of what your spiritual thirst is, then that's when people You know that people are thirsting. In this world, this world itself, our culture, there are people all around us who are thirsting for something and they're getting it fulfilled at the wrong fountain, the fountain of this world, not the fountain of Jesus, not the fountain of living water. Go to 16, verse 16 through 18, chapter 4 again. 16 through 18. He told her, Go call your husband and come back. I have no husband, she replied. Jesus said to her, You're right when you say you have no husband. The fact is, you have had five husbands, and the man you now have is not your husband. What you have just said is quite true. So, when we share the need for a revolution, we don't need to overlook sin. We do not need to overlook sin. It's all right to confront sin, not to condemn sin. Jesus wasn't there to condemn her. But he confronts it. He didn't try to put it under the rug. He confronted it with love. He was direct. You can be direct in love. Absolutely. In fact, that's what what that love is. That's that's how you show that love. In fact, sweeping sin and hiding it under the rug and not, not exposing it, that's not love. Love is showing that you care so much that we've got to talk about those things. So those who don't know they have a need cannot respond to the need. Those who don't know they have a need cannot respond to the need. If we don't uh, talk about the things that are happening in their life, then they're not going to know that, that true need is. So sin needs to be confronted. So sin, confrontation. When you share the Jesus revolution in your life, as you talk to people, it's okay to, to confront the sin. To confront it. As you see in the, the parable of the sower, we're not going to turn there, but it mentions the seeds of the gospel can't take root in the heart Made of a hardened soil. The seed of the gospel cannot take root in a heart that is hardened, just like soil. That heart needs to be broken up. That soil needs to be broken up in order to plant that seed of the gospel. And so one of the ways we do that is to let them know and didn't talk about this. As you talk to people about The change that's happened in your life in the Jesus revolution, you can say, hey, what are things that are just controlling you? What are things that are controlling you right now? What are some things that you're going back to? What what is something that you really, if you could change tomorrow or even right now, what would that be? And that will open up a conversation of the need for a change and most likely sin in their life. Confronting a person with their specific sins is one way to make sure their need of a savior. And that's what Jesus was doing. We even saw in that video. We see in the scripture. All Jesus is doing is just, just softening up that, that dirt because her heart is hard. Five husbands living with another man, her heart has been hardened. And Jesus in love confronts the sin. So, as we talk to people, we need to let, we need to realize that there are thirsty people all around us, and it's okay to confront the sin. Let's read on, verse nineteen through twenty-four. Nineteen through twenty-four. Sir, the woman said, "I can see that you are a prophet. Our ancestors worshipped, worshipped on this mountain, but you Jews claim that the place where we must worship is in Jerusalem." And in truth. In spirit and in truth. So what we see here is this woman has diverted the conversation. Remember, she has, she's thirsty for something. She's feeling that thirst for some other stuff. What other stuff? It's sin. Jesus confronts that sin. Why? To break the ground in her heart to where he could plant the seed of salvation. Okay? He didn't try to hide it. He didn't condemn it. He worked in perfect balance between confrontation and love. Confrontation and love. And I believe confrontation is one of the ways we can show love. And so, but because her sin was exposed and Jesus was confronting that, then she was diverting the conversation. And as you talk to people, you're going to experience this. You will experience people who will have intentional diversions. They will divert the conversation. Th- this attempted decoy is meant to steer Jesus away from her personal issues and towards something totally unrelated. Those who participate in evangelism, we see this tactic all the time. Rather than discuss a single issue, some non-believers <clears throat> will try to run down all sorts of rabbit holes looking for an escape from the point at hand. In this case, the attempt at distraction was the classic argument. Well, you Jews, <clears throat> you worship in Jerusalem, and we're not allowed to worship in Jerusalem. We're not allowed to come to, come to Jerusalem and worship at the temple. And the reason why is, that, is the Samaritans were sort of a mixed breed of Jews and some other non-Jews. And it all happened whenever God exiled uh, the, the nation of Israel to the northern kingdoms, and um, and then those people who were left Jews in that area, they they mingled with other non-Jews, and it created another sort of subculture in the Jewish community called Samaritans. And because they weren't one hundred percent Jews, they couldn't go to Jerusalem and worship in the temple. And that that really <laughs> that really put the Samaritans as an outcast. So not only was this woman a Samaritan, an outcast, she couldn't worship in Jerusalem, she was an outcast because of all her failed relationships. And so she went to something that was that was sort of controversial. Okay, well, you've exposed my sin. So I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna talk about something that is controversial. So she is diverting the conversation. This will happen. In fact I've had I have it happen all the time. Whenever I talk to people about a relationship with Jesus Christ, here's what they get caught up on, things like this. So did God really create the world in six days? I mean, how could he really do that? How could he, how could he really create the world in six days. And was it really six days? Or did, did days mean a certain number of years? You know, and, and, and they'll go to stuff like that or, or they'll use uh, some other, you know, uh, examples of, uh, you know, in the Bible. Or like, I've read that the followers stole Jesus' body in order to stage the resurrection. It, could that be, could that be a, a possibility? Of course, we don't believe that. Jesus rose from the dead. Hallelujah. But people will take things that are in God's word, and they will focus on the minor things. They will focus on the things, and I'm not saying the resurrection isn't a a, a major thing, but what they'll do is they'll divert the conversation, and they won't make it about them. That's what this this woman was doing. She's like, okay, hold on a second. You know my junk. (laughs) You're, You're confronting my junk. And so... Let's talk about something else. And so you will experience that. If they are diverting the conversation, it only means they are feeling the conviction of sin in their life. And there's nothing wrong with that. Again, confrontation and love. So there are thirsty people all around us, all around our, at school, in our jobs in our neighborhoods, uh, in the ball fields, wherever we do life, there are thirsty people. Just look around. Have you ever ever spent time in a crowd and, and you decided to put your phone in your pocket and you just looked around? What's everybody doing? Everybody's on their phone. Everybody. And... They're thirsty. We're all thirsty for something else. And we fill that thirst, those spiritual things, in replacements of what this culture provides. So there are thirsty people. We need to confront people's sin in their life with love. They will intentionally divert the conversation. And last but not least, as we close, verses 25 through 26, 25 through 26, the woman said, I know that Messiah called Christ is coming. When he comes, he will explain everything to us. Then Jesus declared, I, the one speaking to you, I am he. After making her acknowledgement of her need and her sin, Jesus provided her with what he had previously promised the water of eternal life. This, of course, is Jesus Christ himself as a Messiah. And so what happens is, and we even kind of, the, the, the creators of the chosen did this so well, she, she wouldn't look at him at this point, but then finally she, she gazed her eyes on him, <coughs> and she realized, wow, you are the Messiah. And there was a, a revelation. There was a revelation of, of who Jesus is. And as we share the revolution, the change is happening in our life, as we share it to people who are hungry and we confront their sin with, in love, and they'll try to divert the conversation, but as we continue to talk about it and as we continue to point people to the gospel message of Jesus Christ and through prayer, and this may be over a series of conversations or it could just be one conversation. I've had it many different ways. But there, I believe, will come a time where they will be, okay, I, I get it. I get it. Jesus is who he said he is. Jesus is for real. I may not, know, I may not understand everything that's in this book, but I know this, I'm thirsty for something more, I'm in need of, of, of some help with the with sin in my life, and I, I need a Savior. And Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. And we even see this, you don't have to turn it, but John chapter 7, 37 through 39, it says this, On the last and greatest day of the festival, Jesus stood and uh, said in a loud voice, Let anyone who is thirsty come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as the scripture has said, rivers of living water will flow from within them. By this he meant the Spirit from those who believed in him were later to receive. Up to that time, the spirit had not been given since Jesus had not yet been glorified. When we reach out to people, share the revolution, the change, to people who are thirsty, as we pray, I believe God will honor that and there will be a A revelation of the revolution that needs to happen in their life. There will be a revelation of the change that needs to happen in their life. And as Jesus just said in that that passage in in John 7, all who are thirsty, come to me. And I will, and outflow, uh, there will be rivers of living water flowing out from you, meaning the Holy Spirit So, as a church, we don't want to be like the disciples in this passage. Did you, did you take a look at the disciples? And we could actually keep reading in this passage in chapter 4. But did, did you see the disciples? They, they, they went into town to buy, to buy food. Jesus said, hey, I'm going to sit here at the well. Of course, we know why Jesus was at the Well, And I find it very interesting. The first person outside the disciples where where Jesus shared that he is the Messiah was the Samaritan woman, the outcast, total outcast. He revealed himself to her first. And this is why I believe that. People who are really, really thirsty, once their thirst is quenched, They've got to tell more. They've got to tell more people. They've got to go tell people, hey, I know more thirsty people in my life. And I need to give them a living water. That living water is is Jesus Christ and believing in him and the Holy Spirit coming inside them and, and filling them up with all that he is so that they can become all that Jesus designed them to be. But you notice the disciples, when they came back from Samaria... From the town there in Samaria? Did you notice, who did they bring back with them? Nobody. Nobody. They brought back lunch. They were so focused on bringing lunch back to Jesus, and there was a whole town of people who needed Jesus. They didn't bring anybody back with them. Church, I don't want us to be a a church that we don't, we don't bring people. Every Sunday, we present hope. We present the gospel. We present the way, the truth, and the life through Jesus. You bring people to this church, and, and, and it's happening, lots of churches all around us, but as, as, as the body of Christ, as we bring people to church, they will hear the hope of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Don't go into the town and come back empty-handed. Ask the Lord, who do you want me to bring? Who do you want me to invite? Don't come back empty-handed like the disciples did. Jesus says this in verse 35, chapter 4. Don't you have a saying? It's still four months until harvest. I tell you, open your eyes and look at the fields. They are ripe for harvest. These words are true today. We've got Easter coming up, April 9th. I know it's a big day in the life of the church. Easter, Christmas, you know, Christmas. I mean, every day should be Easter. I mean, every Sunday should be Easter, but listen, you, you've got some people in your life that you need to invite. But we all need to invite. So collectively as a church, let's invite people to hope. Let's bring people. And let's introduce them to hope. Introduce them to hope. And my prayer is that As people's lives get changed and more people get baptized and accept Jesus Christ as Savior, we will see a response like we find in verse 42 in this chapter. They said to the woman, they, the people in the town, that that village there in Samaria, we no longer believe just because of what you said to the woman. Okay, they were saying this to the woman. Now we have heard for ourselves, and we know that this man really is the savior of the world. Because what happened is Jesus and his disciples said, Hey, we're going to camp out here for a couple of days. Galilee can wait. We're going to camp out here for a little bit, and we are going to come in and we are going to share the good news. And so, our hope is that people will get it for themselves, they'll get it for themselves. So, y'all, we've got to share the revolution. We've got to share what's going on. The 70s revolution, the Jesus revolution in the 70s, that's what it was about. It was about people inviting others to a change that could happen in their life, and it just spread like wildfire. They didn't have social media, They they didn't have the internet, they didn't have any of that stuff. Word of mouth, word of mouth. And it will spread. So the changes happen in your life. Do not keep it for yourself. Tell others about it. And if you need a revolution in your life, you need to get on your knees. You need to replace some of the idols in your life with, uh, with godly things. We need to all do this together. Because I believe God is calling us to do great and thing, great things for His name and for His glory only. Do y'all believe that? Amen. Yes. So we have got to bring people. Don't go to town, into your workplace, school, whatever, without bringing people. Bring them. You know what group is bringing more people than anybody? It's a youth in our church right now. Yeah. Youth, yes. You, you know Why? because they're excited about the change that's happening in their life. They're not perfect, trust me, and they know that. But they're excited about the change that's happening in their life, and they are bringing people. So y'all, go out to the town and bring people. Bring people so we can share the revolution. But as we close, I want to I do something as a church and we, we need to uh, have a time of prayer. And this is a, one of the reasons why people need hope. And they need to be introduced to Jesus. Because people will go through very difficult times in their life. And to go through difficult times in, the, in, in their life without hope of Christ, without the Holy Spirit, to guide them, without a church to come alongside them. They they just feel all alone. And my heart breaks. We've had several instances in our church, connections of people and family members who have recently passed away. We've got a young man in the hospital now who's connected to our church, a nephew of one of our, our church members, Kathy Westbrook, she's been in our church since we started. His kids have come here. He is is fighting for his life right now in the hospital. Jesse Harden. And he had heart failure. And they've had to bring him back a few times. The latest report I got this morning was that he, he's, he's doing better, and obviously there's machines that are helping him and, and everything. But we need, to, we need to pray as a church for Jesse Harden. And not only that, we're gonna pray for Jesse Harden, but we're also gonna pray for families in our church who are just going through some, some time of grief. Uh, bo- both of our drummers, that's why the drum house was empty today, both of our drummers have experienced loss in their family. Mark Germany has experienced loss with the, the passing of his father. Craig Cott has experienced loss with the passing of his sister unexpectedly. But we want to we pray for them, lift them up as well. Sean and Shanna and their family, Sean and Shanna Smith, with the passing of their son, Evan. They're here today we want to lift them up in prayer. As we have continued to lift them up in prayer, but this is why we need the church. This is why we need family. So we need to lift people up in prayer. And I know there's all kinds of prayer requests we can we could talk about today. But I want us to take some time to pray for people in our church. So here's what I'd like to do. I, I, uh, Craig is not here, and Mark Mark Germany, I, I believe he's here. And, um, and, and Kathy Westbrook is still at the hospital with Jesse, but we can as a church just to, to pray for them. But I'll know that Sean and Shanna are here uh, today and, uh, Sean and Shanna, if you would, wouldn't mind, if you could, if you're okay with this, if you could just stand right where you're at. And, um, I want some people to go back over there and, and put your hands on Sean and Shanna and we're going to pray for them, pray for peace of their life. And, um, and then we're also going to be praying for those who are, uh, for those who can't be here today. We're going to lift up Mark Germany and his family, Craig Cott, We're going to lift up their Jesse Harden and his family. I don't think there's anyone here from, from that family. They're all at the hospital. I visited them yesterday, going back again. But let's just have a time of, of, of prayer right now. Let's bow our heads. Heavenly Father, we, uh, we need you. We need you, oh God. As we sang earlier in the time of worship, our hearts cry out for you. We hunger for your righteousness. We hunger for your peace. And Father, there are people in our church who are, who are going through grief right now. And Lord, we lift those up to you. As we have been lifting up, and, but Father, we lift up Sean and Shanna Smith and their entire family. Lord, we pray, Father, for, for peace and comfort and rest upon them. Lord, they're, they're just so tired. And I pray, Lord, that we don't have answers, but we know the one who has the answers, and that is you, Jesus. So we ask you, Lord, that the God of peace would just come and, 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 and hover over that house and the hearts of the family. And, Lord, I pray, Father, that you do a work of healing in their life. There needs to be healing done in their life in their hearts. And not just them, Lord, uh, family and friends. i also lift up Mark Germany and Len Germany. Be with them, Father, as, they just laid, as he just laid his father to rest this weekend. Bring peace and comfort on his life, Lord Jesus. I pray, Lord, for Craig Cott. As he's in California, Lord, just, uh, just honoring his sister and laying her to rest, I pray, Father, you just lift up Craig, bring comfort and peace and strength to his life, Lord. Give him an opportunity to share Christ with those other family members. And Lord, right now, we lift up Jesse Harden. Lord, he is in the hospital. You know he has a situation. He's got two young children. And, uh, Lord, he's got a family that loves him. And, Lord, you have called him to a particular purpose. Lord, my conversations with Jesse, Lord, my last conversation was just him wanting to get fully right with the Lord. I pray, Father, you give him that opportunity to get fully committed to you, Lord Jesus. Bring him back, Father. Strengthen his body. Help them, Lord Jesus, to come to you, Father. We ask you by your mercy and your grace. And Lord, we will celebrate as a church giving you the glory for all that you have done. And we know, Lord, your peace will come upon these families in this time of grief. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. We will keep you. Thank you, everybody, for praying uh, for, for all of these situations. We will keep you posted. As, uh, as things change, but continue to lift at Mark Germany, Craig Cott, uh, Jesse Harden, and obviously the Smith family. And uh, we will continue uh, next week in this Jesus Revolution series. You don't want to miss it. I love you guys, and you are dismissed. Thank you so very much.